Welcome to the New Norm Club. I'm your host, Gly Gabriel, and I will be bringing you a series of vulnerable, free-flowing, raw, authentic conversations with movers and shakers, trailblazers, people who think differently, live differently, and who are redefining the norm across the world in different societies, in different industries, in different cultures, in different, just everything different. So we're going to have so much fun um, over the course of these uh, these episodes. Uh, I don't know how long we're going to be doing this, but I foresee myself doing these podcasts for a very long time. And I'm so excited and grateful to have you on this journey with me um, because together, uh, we can create a world that works for all of us. I typically um, invite guests onto this podcast when I see that they are doing something that just truly inspires me. And, and, and generally speaking, I'm inspired by people who are living in alignment with, with their truth, whatever that is for them. And Jamila, the first guest of this podcast, the first ever podcast guest that I'm bringing to you is someone who really embodies that for me. From Jamaica originally, but she traveled around, lives in New York City right now, is passionate about education. Um, she's passionate about music. She's passionate about spirituality. She's just a very passionate person who's just kind of tapped in. And um, I, I, I'm just really excited to see where her journey goes. And, and I, I wanted to share her story with you all because I know that she, this episode that you're about to listen to will literally change your life. And so listen to the very end because she drops some bombs. Before we hop into the episode, what I'm going to invite you to do, because you know I'm big into meditation and such, to just take a deep breath. Just let go of whatever you came into this space with, because we're about to go into a whole new realm of possibilities, okay? So on three, we're going to take a deep breath. One, two, three. <sighs> Just let it go. All right. You ready? Let's do this. So I haven't seen Jamila since uh, well, it's probably like January or something like that of this year, probably, or, or maybe ended last year. Listen, this is yeah. The this way been a crazy this year. year has been going. I don't even know anymore. Yeah, how you how you been holding up actually, like through this time? Honestly, it's been so. Right now, I'm actually taking a break from the city. Yeah, um, where are you? I'm out in Newport, Rhode Island, just okay. on a solo trip. And it's making me realize that I've kind of, I adapted really well. Let me just say that first. I adapted really well to, to you know, the hunkering down that we needed to do mm -hmm. this year. Just kind of like being in the house with family. Yeah. Mentally, I adjusted. I yeah. really did. But what that meant was, I think, neglecting 
and suppressing certain parts of myself. And, you know, a lot of people hit stir crazy pretty early in this lockdown or this pandemic situation. Mine just kicked in. So <laughs> that pretty much summarizes where I am right now and how I've been dealing with this is I'm coming to realize, like, one, I've managed really, really well, props mm-hmm. to me, but yeah. also um, to a fault. And I hmm. need to be mindful of that. What were you suppressing, if you don't mind my asking? <sighs> probably just, well, suppression, probably on the, on the expression side. Mm. Like, I love music. I love dance. Being in the house all the time, two adults and a, and a toddler, there isn't mm-hmm. as much space. I'm not saying like I'm completely like a robot when I'm home, but just being away now, I realize how much I'm dancing more and just little things mm. that bring me joy that I take for granted when I'm home. Yeah, because in that space, it was yeah. just like two close quarters. You didn't really, did you not feel like you had the space to, to do that? Two close quarters. Yeah. And a part of my brain was always uh, occupied with being accommodating. And so to, to the others in the space. And so now that I'm by myself and that part of my brain's not like focused on that. It's like, we're just silly now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, I forgot I'm like this. <laughs> So, so like, have, is this the first solo trip, you know, that you've taken or like the, where you've given yourself that space? Yeah. Yeah. And, and since like March of this year, essentially, or? Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time. I like there are time. It's a long time, right? That's, That's what long, I'm saying. Like I, I adjusted to a fault. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because I feel like some people had, um, you know, because like you, you were, uh, you were like around too many people and you didn't have space and other people had too much space, you know? And and, and so it's kind of like- And I wanted to swap with them because I'm naturally, I'm I'm introverted. So Mm -hmm. it was quite an adjustment being home. Luckily it's with family and so they know me, but like, for example, my nephew, he's four and he's very energetic and very extroverted. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) So that, that's a lot every day. And I'm, I was constantly, um, I'd say there are moments where I'm like overstimulated. And so I have to make cuts in other areas of my life. So like, you know, I might not have enough time to keep up with, uh, and this is going to sound terrible. Like I literally have to like make boundaries around like how many friends I'm going to catch up with this week because mentally I'm, I'm almost at capacity just in being home. Um, so that's the sort of thing I was like adapting to and I did it fairly well, but again, just, it's, it's good to get away and just have that moment of, of being able to see the difference. Yeah. That's, that's interesting that you said that. Um, I always feel guilty or I used to really feel guilty about not being able to stay in touch with everybody and Mm. and I would just beat myself up about that. Um, how, how do you, how do you? How do you do that? How do you, how, how, how have you been able, like, do you have like, okay, I'm only connecting with five people or two people or, or like, what's your, what's your method to, to, to that? Honestly, 
<laughs> I don't even have a really good system down. Yeah. But I will say I made a point in the last couple months, especially to stop beating myself up about it. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much it. Like take, yeah. take that weight off your shoulders and, and, and start setting some boundaries with your personal time when it comes to work, personal time, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. Um, and that freed up some more room for me to connect with folks, but it's still, it's still not where I'd like it to be. Honestly, yeah. I, I, f- I feel like <laughs> a lot of times I think about, you know, where I grew up and the culture I come from and how it's so not normal that I haven't spoken to my father in, in like a month. And when we're on the phone, there's only time to talk for like 30 minutes or so. Like to mm-hmm. him, that's completely bizarre. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I have to rush him off the phone. And so, um, again, I'm trying not to, to, to look at it without judgment, but I'm looking at the fact that like, man, this rat race stuff, the, these like first world problems, <laughs> am I making the right life choices if I can't even keep up with like loved ones? I don't know. That's a big, that's a big um, question. It's massive. <laughs> <laughs> For real. So, I mean, why don't you just, um, before we go into like some of the cool, amazing things that you're doing and like the Mm -hmm. education and like tech space, like what's your background? So you mentioned like family seems to be something that's very important to you. Like where where are you from? Like what's your, like what's your family situation look like? Mm -hmm. Siblings, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm originally from Jamaica. That's where Mm -hmm. I was born and raised up until about 10 then I lived in England for a while, and then I came to New York. Mm. And I've been in New York for like the past 15 or so years. Okay. Um, but yeah, coming from a, a, a small island where everything's slow, there's no real rat race, corporate culture is not really a thing there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Being so busy, you can't visit family isn't really a thing there. Yeah. Um, yeah, just kind of adjusting to that and has been interesting. Hmm. Um, Do you yeah. miss Jamaica? Absolutely. Really? When was the last time you <laughs> Especially <back>? now. Yeah. <laughs> when was the last time you were back there? Last time I was home. Um, that's cool. You say that's, you call it home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so cool. Yeah. Okay. So when was the last time you were home? Um, I think it was like two years ago. Two I think it was ago. 2018. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Time flies. So, mm-hmm. and then you lived in, in England for a bit. I didn't realize yeah. that. How long were you out yeah. there? It, I think it was like somewhere between a year and two years. I think yeah. it was closer to a year, but it was at a pretty pivotal point in my childhood. So it left quite the impression. I think if yeah. I spent a year in any other country now, it wouldn't have as much impact, but I think when you're in your formative years uh-huh. and the culture shock. So I didn't go through the initial culture shock, you know, of the U.S. because having left an island, the culture shock experience was there. And I think mm-hmm. that's why it like, has such an impression. But yeah, I think it was only about a year. Okay. Okay. Did uh, it had such a big impact on you? Was it like, why was it so like, was it like during like your teenage years, essentially? Like, was there like a particular event or something that happened that, that had it be like such a... Oof. There are a few. (laughs) (laughs) I went from 
An idolin that is uh, predominantly black. Mm. To a place where I was the only black kid in school. Um, and also, we're about to get deep now. Mm-hmm. Um, before I left Jamaica, I had my first like blatant incident of like experienced my first instance of colorism. Um, and this was all at 10. So this is like, that's what I mean by formative years. Like I'm still naive about how the world works and I've only seen black people pretty much. I mean, Jamaica has, um, other ethnic groups that are, that are people of color. Like we have Chinese, we have a massive Indian population, but never been around so many white people. But also it was the first time I kind of felt like the sense of belonging to this country shifted when I went through that experience with a classmate at school where I was basically ridiculed for being dark-skinned. And it was mind-blowing to me. (laughs) This idea that we're both Black, but somehow my being dark is an insult or there's something wrong about that. And Mm -hmm. I didn't really figure that out. The next thing I knew, I was pretty much on a plane heading to England. and, And now I'm like, you know, thinking, well, if this black kid thinks it's terrible that I'm dark skinned, what are these white people gonna think? They're gonna be like disgusted yeah. by me. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the complete opposite. And so that confused the hell out of me. <laughs> wow. It was the complete opposite. Here I was in this place, um, as I mentioned, like the only black kid in school in our neighborhood, we're the only black family. Um, and these are like the nicest people we've ever met, like super welcoming. I mean, I got asked to be someone's friend for the first time in my life. I didn't even know how to answer. Like, yes. <laughs> how this works. <laughs> like, would you like to be my friend? <laughs> That's exactly what she said. And I was like, ah, wow. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been asked that actually, like in, in that directive of a way. It just usually happens organically but that's right. really interesting um yeah. And, yeah yeah go ahead i'm sorry I didn't no i was just gonna it. say like i'm sure they're it, part of it was you know it's, it's it was new for them yeah. they hadn't had that many experiences with black people themselves and these being kids as well they i, I was probably the first black person they ever saw so yeah. there's a bit of you know newness the, the benefit of being new but for me it was just, it just, the flip from the lack of belonging or do I belong some, to this place to entering a place where I assumed I didn't belong and feeling more comfortable, it was, That's it was a, a mind, mind fuck. fuck. That's yeah. a mind fuck. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? So have you, because I know you're also really passionate about like, you know, people of color and like mm-hmm. communities and like, Hmm. You know, with that experience, have you ever, have, have you always loved your blackness? Um, or was, or, or did that experience, you know, have you start to not want to be black or like, yeah. I'm just curious, like what's, what's been your relationship with your blackness? That's, woo, we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we get in there. Yeah. <laughs> ah, so I, I consider myself, um, really really fortunate 
because now that I'm aware of how pervasive things like colorism and stuff, um, how pervasive that is, especially in Jamaican society, I realize how much my parents work to counteract that. So my father is super pro-Black, like mm. very much considers himself Pan-African. And um, to the point that even growing up, he was a part of, he grew up in London and he was very much involved with the Black Panther movement there um, and the, the movement for Black liberation there. Um, and so he made a point to like give all his children African names. Like we're gonna have this slave master last name, but your first and your middle name are gonna be African. Mm. And um, even like he's told me, like he's like, you know, I made a point to pick a dark skinned woman to have my children, dark skinned women in general to have my children. And that's one of the reasons I chose your mother. Like all these things were intentional. So at home, that's, it, I was kind of in a bubble where being black was something to be proud of. You know, I understood why I was darker, why others were lighter without, without judging them or, or, or any prejudices, but I just understood it as like a matter of fact, like here's history where descendants of enslaved peoples, some of us unfortunately were raped by our oppressors and that created like this, this patchwork of complexions and it, it, it is what it is and we, we're all black and we all love each other. That's, mm -hmm. that's how I grew up. And then comes the situation at school where honestly I started this, where it was, <laughs> it was pretty much kids being kids and I was coming for this boy's neck. Like mm -hmm. he, I don't know what he did to piss me off, but he wore glasses and I was just like, something, something, I had four eyes. But then his response to that was, you're as black as my grandmother's Dutch pot. Do you know what a Dutch pot is? No, what is that? Okay, so it's these cast iron pots that the more you cook with them, you probably know what I'm talking about. Oh, I, yeah, I think the more I you cook with them, the yeah. outside turns black. Yeah. And to me, oh, I was like, okay. But then everyone else was cracking up, so I was like, wait. <laughs> Oh wow! So so for you, it was like it was like well, like a compliment, or was it like not a compliment? But it didn't mean anything because mm, mm. to me, yeah, complexion just wasn't something to comment on. Whether you look, you're as you know, blue black is like a lek mm. or you know, albino or mm. albino. I it just didn't occur to me as something to comment on. Man. Mm. That's interesting. Uh, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I, you know, I've been like really, this year has been really challenged me to uh, come to terms with my blackness and, mm. and uh, especially with like, you know, the death of like George Floyd and like Ahmaud yeah. Arbery and like everybody in like the States. And, um, you know, I, was, I remember like uh, growing up in Haiti, I'm Haitian, right? And so like mm -hmm. in Haitian, Haitian culture, like there's like this term like, bon couleur or bon chevet so like good color is like you know the lighter skin people and like good hair is like you know like the suave yeah. and, and and i remember thinking just like oh like what's wrong with my color you know like what's wrong with my skin and um and i also remember um you know like you know talk about the impact of media uh looking looking at television and and wanting to look like uh 
there was this show Hercules and, and uh, you know, like this white guy with like the, the hair and I was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I, I want that, you know, I want to look like that. <laughs> and, um, and it wasn't until like later on in life that I was just like, wow, like uh, these, you know, like my mom and like parents, like when they would say things like bon couleur or bon chivet, mm-hmm. like and it, it wasn't like malicious, I don't think, but right. But it, in it is there's a lot that that can be like really conflicting for a kid uh, growing yeah. up, and, and, and so um, that's really cool to hear your perspective that for you in your family that wasn't like a thing. Like actually, there was it was like uplifted and, and like skin color. Yeah, and, like that's that's really cool. Yeah, um, it, yeah. It was pretty much after that experience that, and as I got older, my parents started letting me know like, look, this is what the deal is. This is the world we live in. These are the situations we've experienced, why we make the intentional um, decisions we do um, to uplift, to uplift y'all um, and, and, and give you that, that kind of armor basically mm. for this. Mm. And so how has that translated into like your life now and like who you are now? Oof. Well, for me, hmm. I mean, I still love my skin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still That's love it. <laughs> um, but I, I, I think it's, I think what, what they did did a lot more than mm. just help give me, um, you know, armor mm-hmm. to deal with racism and, and, um, and, and, internalized racism even because it's to the point now where um i have like a a a feel close to the continent like i feel close to africa like i feel an affinity with all things african so um i mean i'm into the music i'm into the food (laughs) and new york is kind of the perfect place to be with that but yeah, it's, it's, I ended up, even though I'm, I'm pretty much on the West all the time, when I look at my, my interests, the music I listen to, and all of that, it's, it's, it's very Black, but it's, it's very global. Yeah. So, yeah, whether, whether it's, it's Caribbean, but in Europe, Caribbean people on the islands themselves, uh, Africans on the continent, Africans in Europe, Africans in the US, like I'm just, everything is just black. To me, black, and I, and I, this is something I've been thinking about a lot, especially because of, of what's happened this year with the Black Lives Matter uh, uprising. To me, black is truly an umbrella term for all descendants, our black descendants of Africa. Um, and I run into this year, run into this definition or run into the fact that for some people, black means specifically African-American. And my whole world and understanding of black is just so far from that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize people just thought it was just African-American. I thought it was pretty all encompassing. Yeah, and I think they know too if you said it to them, but there's the way they express certain things. Um, you know, they'll talk about certain things like revoking a black card for not knowing, uh, ha- never having watched like the movie Friday. Mm. 
and it's like, have you watched the great African films that have come out in the past few decades? That's real. Like, do you know the Jamaican <laughs> classics? <laughs> do you know the Black British class? Like, the, things like that, where it's like they don't realize they're alienating other Black folks or that they're missing out on the full Black experience. Mm. Um, and they define black the Black experience really as the African-American experience. Yeah. Um, and I think being from the Caribbean, then having lived in the UK, and then coming here, I have that perspective where I'm just like, yeah, you're not taking my black card for something like this. No, I don't need, yeah, I'm still coming to the cookout. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> so real. Oh my gosh. I, I, I love that you said that. And, and it brings up a good point. You know, I feel like, um, you know, Americans in general, like we're kind of like isolated from the rest of the world. You know, we just like, uh, maybe it's just a, a product of us being at the top, like one of the top global powers for so long. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we don't feel the need to like really be integrated or to, to learn other people's cultures. And, and like, I'm also kind of guilty of that too. You know, I've traveled and I've seen other stuff, but like, I, I know there's a lot of room for, for, to educate myself more. Um, mm-hmm. And which is honestly kind of one of the, you know, one of the, when we first like connected um, or reconnected, um, earlier this year end of last year uh and you started putting me on to like you know it's like afro beats and like some different mm-hmm. songs and i was just like wow like this is it's really cool to 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 experience different um you know different versions of blackness of uh, and mm-hmm. th- through the lens of music and so why don't you tell us a little bit about um what you're doing with uh with nexting like what is nexting what does nexting stand for first of all and uh and like how'd you come up with that and um and then just yeah like what what's, what is that about i'm glad we're starting there because i think since i've been doing this project it's um i've forgotten to to kind of talk about the meaning of the name but yeah anyway uh <laughs> so next thing it's it's a play on two words or one word one phrase mm-hmm. um next thing is by some definition i don't know who came up with this definition but i ran with it (laughs) it's the it's the prediction of what's to come next um Mm. in some schools of psychology Mm. um but for me it's also the jamaican patois phrase next thing which means next thing (laughs) kind of the same thing like what's next what's the next thing um, and the idea, the concept behind it is, is, is really um, taste-making, music taste-making, um, you know, highlighting the sounds, the artists, the stories that I think are, it's kind of aspirational. So <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, you mentioned like Afrobeats, which is pretty much, afro pop now it doesn't need anybody's help to blow up it's blown mm-hmm. up it's mm-hmm. <laughs> it has arrived but let's say it's a smaller genre like um let's say the genre i'm a piano which is like this underground genre in south africa that's something that i'd like to see get the same kind of shine and not get lumped under afro pop um and the the concept really is to say like 
I think this is next. By all good standards of music, this is great music. And it should get the same attention as, I don't know, the latest Taylor Swift release. <laughs> like it's, <laughs> in my opinion. So yeah. it's, it's this idea that if we really, and I guess it, it comes from this like fantasy of if we truly were a fair planet um, and we looked at things like global charts and everyone had equal, an equal shot in making it and every genre had an equal shot to shine, um, that the, the, this kind of music that I focus on, like music from Africa and the diaspora, and even from like, you know, just the global South in general, um, and South Asia, um, that I'd be able to say, yo, this artist right here is amazing. And next thing you know, I'm seeing them at award shows, mm. um, no matter where they're from. So, so that's pretty much it. Yeah, I, I love that. And and what's your what what is sort of your um, criteria? Or what do you look for? Um, because I know you have like like a whole you know like email newsletter where you share yeah. like different like you know songs and and like artists and like what's your criteria for identifying uh, the next team? <laughs> Good job. So I wish I. I really don't have that part down to a science. It's not okay. a science at all. It's, it's all it's, good. It's really just my ear. Um, that's pretty much it. I've gotten to the point where I've just had to trust it. Yeah. And yeah, if it sounds good to me, <laughs> that's pretty much it. Um, but after that, I guess my process for finding the music is is what's a bit of a science or, or, or there's mm. a method to the madness. Oh, okay. Let's hear um, that. So, and this is, when I describe it for next thing, people are like, okay, that makes sense. But this is the kind of, this is what I was doing for my own personal music collection. And that's what made me, or made friends nudge me like to like do something. <laughs> so I start with like uh, on Spotify, which is like the main music streaming service I use. Um, I track maybe 800 artists on my release radar. And I like switch them out regularly. Like if I hear an artist and they haven't really been putting out stuff, like the last 10 songs I heard from you weren't that great, I'm unfollowing. <laughs> if wow. I discover a brand new artist, I'm following. And so every Friday at, at midnight, um, I get a, a dump of anything they've released in the past week. And I comb through that. How long and does I picked the ones. Let me tell you right now, because I have one here. I was just listening to it actually today. Which one? Um, oh, this just whatever was released in the past week. Mm. And I'll tell you how many hours of music is on here right now. Whew. Let me go to the release radar. Nine hours and 26 minutes of music. Do you like Friday night till mor Saturday morning just like listen, <laughs> <laughs> like, like dancing? <laughs> no, I do. I do it throughout the week, honestly. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, I spread it out. And honestly, at this point, I'm, I've gotten so good where I'm like, I could be 15 seconds into a song and be like, nah. Mm. Um, so that's one. That's step one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> step one. <laughs> then there's, uh, there are a few like internet or um, 
yeah, a few internet radio stations that I really like. Uh, the BBC is really, really good at giving underground music a shine. Um, so BBC radio stations, there are multiple. There's One Extra, which is like the black radio station for the BBC. There's BBC Six, um, which is just underground in general. Radio One is a bit more mainstream, but I mean, in comparison to the US, nothing the BBC does is really mainstream. Like the US is the epitome of mainstream everything. Like this, the top 40 Z100 type of radio stations, mm-hmm. they, don't, they don't really exist in the BBC, with the BBC. So I trust them a lot with their um, recommendations. And then um, there's like Worldwide FM, mm-hmm. which also plays a lot of uh, underground music from around the world. They're really good at really representing the globe. Mm-hmm. I think that's what it is. I think anyone who seems to have that same value of mm-hmm. representing the globe accurately, yeah. like paying attention to how many African artists do we have, how many European, and when we look at you know, we're not looking at the U.S., we're looking at all of North America, like yeah. things like that, like decentering the U.S. That's, that's what this is about. Yeah, um, I'm about it. <laughs> so I, post, I mean, that's that's just a weekly thing. I do it for myself anyway, because I'm just, I get tired of music pretty quickly. Not tired, like I hate it, but like I'm just always, um, I just love new music. Yeah. Um, and so once I come through all of those and kind of shortlist a few songs, okay, not a few, like 50. <laughs> I cut it down again. I might cut it to like 25 to 30. And that's what goes out um, every month, uh, about every month, if yeah. I can keep up with it for next thing. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. Um, have you, did you do it last month or this past I month? I did. Yeah. Okay. I did. And how was the reception of that? Like how have people been reacting to 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 this um, creation of yours? Last month was a little bit quieter than usual, but it, it, okay, let me not say, was it last month? Last month was a lot more hype. This mm-hmm. particular, the last uh, playlist I sent out was mm-hmm. election week. So I think mm-hmm. people's minds were elsewhere, which yeah. is fair. I sent it out to be like, listen, we're gonna dance through this. <laughs> <laughs> Here's some music to get through the week. Um, but it, it's overall, I'm only on my fifth release and, um, I've been blown away by the reception. Cause of mm-hmm. course, when it's something that's like such a personal project or personal obsession, you don't know how others are going to respond to it or if they're going to like, if the vibe or the energy is going to be the same. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's been interesting to see how it's, it's it's resonated with people in ways that I, I didn't even expect. Um, or just seeing, just being affirmed when I see people enjoying certain tracks that I enjoy, but I wasn't sure how others were gonna, you know, like take it. So yeah, I love getting responses to the newsletters, like literally in the email, like, yo, this track is fire. Like yeah. this is, this one's amazing, or this one made me go look up this artist, and now I'm listening to their whole album, and I discovered three more artists off of this one track. Mm. Um, or my favorite story was with um, a coworker who's, uh, I believe she's Russian, her husband's Korean, and uh, they were really feeling the Afropop tracks, 
And so them and their kids were dancing it up to some some Nigerian pop. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so, so those, I, are, those are the things that like get me hype about that's, this. That's amazing. And and like I think that you 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 started to allude to this, but it can be a very mm-hmm. vulnerable process of yeah. like sharing something that you're passionate about with other people mm-hmm. or something that's like that you value. Like when I like you know, recently, you know, I went up to like the Catskills with some of my boys and mm. um, and they were like, hey, like play some music. And, and, and I was like, I, I felt scared to play music because I was like, I might yeah. play something and they might not like it. And 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 you're doing this on like a larger scale with something that yeah. you really like are passionate about. Um, how did you was it scary for you or hard for you to like do that, to take that step to share it with the world and yeah um and okay and then so how did you overcome that that hurdle of just that like fear. yeah oh man i actually think your situation is worse <laughs> <laughs> but being put on the spot to, yeah <laughs> to play music i think even now even though i'm i i i, I curate music on the side if someone put me in that position I mean, I've been in cars with friends and they've said this to me, like, Jamal, put on some music. And I'm like, I have rules. Like, if you give me the aux cord. (laughs) Do you understand? No, do you understand? (laughs) Like, first of all, you're not, you're not taking it back. Um, You can't change the song. You can't like, you have to give me at least either 30 minutes, like 30 minutes at a time. Like you either giving me an hour or 30 minutes minimum. Um, and there's no changing it to what you want during that time. And you're Yo. not, no complaining. And there's no, you're just gonna, you're gonna experience this. That's amazing. I have an amazing idea for you. Have you ever like, just like DJed like a party or like, or like an, like on Instagram, just like going live and just like, jamming out like i have not because i don't know how to actually dj yet <laughs> i mean but like or or even if you oh but like um hmm. just playing music i yeah. love it i yeah. really have yeah i think cool. just playing music and talking about it yeah it's something i think i want to work myself up to yeah um because i think what's different What's different between, because there was a time, so at the beginning of this pandemic when everybody wanted like to find hobbies and things they wanted to do, my thing was, I'm going to learn how to DJ finally. Mm. <laughs> and I like, I got all the YouTube videos together, downloaded software. Who knows? I might be paying for some of them still. Um, but what I realized was it's not so much the blending of the songs that I care about. Um, I do care about the order of them, but... Mm-hmm. I want to share the stories behind them. Like I want to talk about the artist's background or the story of how the song came together or some interesting personal connection I have with the song. Um, so yeah, I, I like the IG live idea. Yeah. I don't know. We'll yeah. see. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's great. Uh, and, and I could definitely see it becoming like a podcast or, I mean, I don't know if you're already doing that in some respects with your, in your newsletter. Um, but uh, I think there's a lot there, and and I just love mm. when I meet passionate people. It's just, oh, like it's just so it's just so nice, you know, to have like something that you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah. Likewise. So 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 okay. Um, we we went we went into your music. Uh, yeah. what are you doing like professionally right now? Mm. So right now I'm a 
product designer mm-hmm. and name changes all the time, but basically uh, technology design, digital product design, UX design, UI design, UX research, like it's all lumped into one <laughs> mm-hmm. with a little bit of business analytics. Um, so that's, that's what I do professionally. And I, I do it in the ed tech space since I, I come from an education background. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so it's interesting. So uh, I, I was looking at like your Instagram and I remember this post and that's why I was like, I was like, I wanted to like find the exact words that you use. Mm. Um, you said, one thing I learned during my years as a freelancer and entrepreneur is to notice when my independent nature no longer serves me or mm. the ultimate beneficiaries of my work and adjust accordingly. It's a tricky thing to honor as an introvert, but I'm my most grounded, creative, and effective when I build solutions with folks. Uh, What what was was going on there? What's what's behind that for you? I don't remember, but I agree. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, Oh, man. I think it just comes from, oof, just a lot of personal growth on my end first of all I think I think the experience of being an immigrant and 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 leaving home and everything I knew because when I moved I moved with it was just myself and my mom Mm. we had to figure it out like we're in this foreign countries and we just had to figure it out and that meant I needed to like mature pretty quickly um and act responsibly pretty quickly and just like there's always a flip side the other side of the coin it works out well when, you know, I have an adult depending on me and I'm 11 and I need to like get home on time and maybe do laundry and just like not make my mother worry. (laughs) Um, But then the flip side of that is as I got older and things became a lot to handle, I didn't know how to ask for help. Um, I didn't think it was okay to ask for help. Um, and I much rather have it all together and and not look like I needed help. And and so yeah, I had to like come to terms with the fact that I had this this inclination to 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 keep up appearances and make everything seem like it's okay. And um then I had a rude awakening as an what entrepreneur. Happened? What happened? And can you like just give us a little context of like what your like what your entrepreneurial venture or business was? Sure. Yeah. So um, I mean, I started <laughs> off as an independent tutor, um, and then decided I wanted to like formalize things. So it just naturally progressed into like specific test prep programs for for like just K through twelve education here in New York City. And um, some of the standardized tests that kids have to take every year. And then it morphed again into a whole nonprofit. Um, And that was a massive leap for me to take, just to step out of myself and and trust that I could actually pull that off. Um, But I think the the lesson there because after that it was also i stepped down from the nonprofit and then formed my own um small test prep company but in both experiences there was like just this theme that i just i just started to just like just observe myself when i was working 
And I realized that when decisions were all on me, and I was actually thinking about this before I jumped on this call, um, when decisions are all on me, at best, at my humblest, I'm going to end up bottlenecking it mm. because I'm going to be trying to do it right and consider everyone and all the things. Um, and it's just going to be a lot or too much to kind of hold and, and process in one person's mind. Um, and I was just very careful of not letting my ego run the show. Mm. And so for me, it was just really stressful, really, really stressful being the, where the buck stopped on, on all those decisions. And then I was introduced to this concept once I um, started training to become a designer. I took this human-centered design course and the instructor there kind of uh, imprinted this mantra on us about like build with, not for. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I heard those words, something in me, it just, <laughs> it just clicked and something was just like, that's it. Not only is that just the right thing to do for me personally, I am way more comfortable facilitating. I make better decisions even once other people are, once I share leadership with others and I share um, power with others, it frees up my mind to, 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 to do better solutioning, do better thinking in general. Um, I just work better when, when decisions are, aren't just all on me. Mm. Um, yeah. That's, that's huge. And, <laughs> and, you know, like I, I resonate with that so hard because, um, you know, I've been on this entrepreneurial journey for like the past, I don't know, like five, whatever years, however many years. Mm. And, um, and there were times where I was just like, I felt like I was just like banging my head on the, on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> and and it wasn't until like honestly this year i finally started to hit my stride where the same distinction um you know my, my boy um put me on to uh this uh, he, he connected me with this friend who has this company called people and company and they talk mm -hmm. about um building communities uh with the community or, or something to the effect of building with the community and mm -hmm. not for the community and mm -hmm. um and i think that's i was like that's 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 it, you know? And, yeah. and even like, as I'm like creating this podcast, I'm just thinking, how do I involve people into this? You know, like I'm sharing with like friends and which is a vulnerable yeah. thing and be like, Hey, like, what's your feedback on like this description or this, like, you know, this thing or like these people that I want to invite. And, but I, it's so much easier because then I can just like show up and just do yes. what I want to do, what I'm good at. Right. And, and then allow other people to support me and, and not more than me, but the vision, and, yeah. and, and bring that so that we can all like kind of pitch in and because exactly a rising tide raises all ships. And so um, that's, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's dope. Um, and, and, um, oh shoot, I, I was going to say something around, so you're talking about building with and not for, um, so what are you, uh, I completely lost it. That's okay. It's it happens. This is, you know, getting a raw thing. So like, look, um, you're, 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 you're doing that. Um, you're in, mm -hmm. you're a product designer right now. How mm -hmm. are you, how are you, like, how are you like enjoying that process? How are you enjoying that work? 
versus what you were doing before? Um, I mean, oh my gosh, I miss, I do miss working so directly with the ben beneficiaries of my work, like working directly with families. It was, it was beautiful to work with young people. Oh my gosh. Like, I miss that so much, but <laughs> what I didn't care for was, was chasing, um, chasing customers all the time and clients and having to, that part of the, the business side of things, I, I just, I do not miss. I'm not cut, cut out for it. Yeah. I learned in probably the last two years when I launched the, my own personal business, I uh, made the smart decision of hiring a business coach because mm. I was like, that side, I do not care for. And mm -hmm. it stresses me out. And I need another person here to help me make these decisions. But what, what I realized was like, in getting my coach, um, his name was Bert, he really loves this stuff. And I was like, wow, this is, business is his calling. It is not mine. <laughs> It is so not mine. I, people are definitely more my calling than his. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the way I work with families, the way I work with young people, like not infantilizing them and treating them like, you know, human beings that allow me to be successful, that like kids loved me. And so parents loved me in turn. And um, I realized I had a knack for that, but <sighs> marketing decisions and all that stuff. I just mm, mm -mm. didn't care for it. Sales yeah. phone calls, talking about money, didn't mm -hmm. care for it. Could mm -hmm. push through, but mm -hmm. didn't care for it. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I feel you. <laughs> so this, this career switch saved me from that, but also I think even bigger than that, um, just like recognizing that I had a, a knack for working with people. Um, I realized there was another, I can't even just call it an interest. It was much bigger than that. It, there's a part of me that I'd been ignoring in terms of a calling per se. Um, you know, I'd always loved art and design as a kid. Mm -hmm. um, even like my first college major was in architecture. I swore I was going to be an architect. Mm -hmm. um, and when I dropped out of architecture school and decided not to go that route, I just thought, I didn't think anything of completely switching gears. Um, I didn't realize that I would be neglecting a part of me that needed to express or needed to be expressed. Um, mm. And so returning to design or that's how I look at it. Instead of like career switching, I look at it as a return to design. Um, and it, it combined for me the, the people aspect, but also the creative aspect of things. And then I don't have to worry about the money because I provide the value and the company pays me. <laughs> that's, you know, like uh, the word that comes to mind, and this is where I wanted to go before and when I forgot, mm. um, is... Uh, <clears throat> you know, like self-awareness, um, mm. mindfulness, it, 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 like you were talking about, like not letting the, the ego run the game um, yeah. uh, or run the show. And 
like can i know like spirituality is something that's very big for you um mm-hmm. what, like how did that like what was your spiritual journey like and, and how mm-hmm. did that impact like you know like who you are now okay wow uh how am i gonna <laughs> yeah that's kind of a big question maybe i need to uh, bring that down um or hmm, even you're talking about like not letting your ego run the show at one yeah. point and like becoming and like using that you're starting you're just like noticing um what is what's your process for for learning yourself and and mm. for distinguishing like between when it's like you're you're making a decision from like ego versus like hey this is what like my heart it's something yeah. needs to be expressed yeah yeah oh man Oof, there's so much to discuss here. Yeah. <laughs> and and okay. Now I can I can definitely talk about my um spiritual journey from that perspective yeah. because it, I didn't really become aware of and I mean all these words are really just helpful for frameworks of 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 thinking and and just being aware or just living consciously. So I don't mm-hmm. Anybody gets stuck on them when we say like ego and true self yeah. and things like that. Mm-hmm. But for me, that distinction that there is a part of you that is personality run, and if you give it an inch, it'll take a mile, and <laughs> it, it is just not the most mature, and you can't let it do everything. It, it needs supervision, and that there's a part of you that is is in charge of things like that gut feeling the things that can't be explained um that distinction was so so necessary for me Mm. um you know besides architecture and having love design i I wouldn't say that i'm necessarily like very dominant in the creative side i'm pretty even split like i'm very i'm also very logical and analytical like I also have a math degree. So like I I I I definitely can lean into analyzing, overanalyzing something to death. Um and so if you let me, every decision is strategized and I'm thinking through it and I'm thinking through it and I deliberate over everything and which is why being a business person would have been frustrating. <laughs> um so the discovery that that distinction what helped me was um this book called power of now and it's pretty mm. popular i just literally um, just but, read it by Eckhart Tolle. really i just finally because it's funny when i first discovered it years ago yeah it was just i was not ready for that shit i was just That's like what, exactly what the, <laughs> like, what the <laughs> hell are you talking about <laughs> i had a similar experience yeah yeah i like read it last week and it it, it Wow. Yeah, it was, it was big. Yeah. Interesting. So that was my game changer. Mm. Um, When'd you read that? This was 2017 Mm -hmm. and it was right when I started my own personal business. So this is right after I stepped down from the nonprofit and it was like, what the hell am I going to do? What am I still? So again, analytical brain, like logical side took the hell over and it was like, listen, here are your skills. Here are the connections you currently have. This is what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to take these connections in the education world. We're going to start a test prep company. Um, we're going to make it work. And what I think that did is it, it, it definitely, at that moment, not to say 
and, and this is why I was like, we don't want to get stuck on these words. I don't want to demonize the ego. It definitely comes in handy. But for me, it's, it's a tool. Um, like I have a personality. I am not my personality. Um, mm. And so in that instance where it was like, I needed something and needed a quick solution. I needed to quickly figure out what I was going to do to eat. Um, it came in real handy. <laughs> and then it, that kind of bought me time to then still recognizing like, okay, I figured something out. It's, it's, it's standing up, you know, it, it's getting off the ground. Um, but I know that this isn't it for me. This is it. I'm not deeply connected to this, um, this kind of work, especially because I'm serving families. You know, you have to be privileged to, to, to go hire a tutor to prep your kid for a test. Um, and so as much as I love the families, I wasn't comfortable saying this is going to be my life's work. Like, no. Um, and so it was, it was a much bigger crisis than that for me. It was like a, who the hell am I as a person? That's how it, like how far it went. And I just remember jumping on the phone with my dad in Jamaica. And I'm like, it's probably the first time I've really had a, a full honest conversation with him without trying to um, avoid the things that I think he won't understand. Like, you know, when you have like mm -hmm. parents who are of another generation, much less of another culture, there's certain things you just like, you're just like, they're not going to get it. What's the point in telling them? Just tell them you're stressed and you're tired and just cut the conversation short and focus on them. <laughs> mm -hmm. But this time I was like, no, I just, I don't know what came over me. And I was just, I just started telling him everything and I started explaining everything. Um, and he listened. And then his response to all of it was, I want you to get this book. <laughs> And he's like, do you have anything to write this down? Write it down. It's called Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And he couldn't even pronounce it. He was like spelling it for me. Um, and what's interesting about my, 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 him even recommending a book by a white man, I already told you he's very pro-Black. He's very Pan-African, very pro-Black. Yeah. So the fact that he was recommending a book by... A, a, a white German man, I knew there had to be something special there. <laughs> and that's what got me to read it. Um, and the, I just remember the first chapter where Eckhart's talking about um, being so frustrated and fed up that he was just like, I can't stand myself. And that moment of being like, wait, who's myself <laughs> that I'm fed up with? <laughs> Gly, when I tell you I stopped in the middle of the street, because I'm listening to this in audiobook, I stopped in the middle of the sidewalk somewhere in Brooklyn and I could not move. I was like, just mind blown, but also not in the intellectual sense of like, oh, that's brilliant. Like something in me recognized immediately that this was a framework that, that, that applied to me. That this play of the different, there are different sides to you, Jamila. This was the first time I'd ever considered that. Um, 
anyways, fast forward <laughs> to, to how I, I think about ego and, and true self and how I can tell the difference. It really also had to do a lot with um, a lot of work I've done in, in therapy to kind of pinpoint parts of myself like my inner critic. And knowing what my inner critic sounds like and the kind of things it will say, <laughs> no matter what the situation. Um, and just when it's helpful and when it's not, that's really it. Just paying attention to whatever my intention is in any given moment with any decision in any situation. And, and just for a quick example, if I feel things like nervousness, that that has nothing to do with my true self and probably everything to do with like all kinds of like trauma and conditioning and just humanness, like <laughs> just, <laughs> um, versus when I feel at peace versus when I feel like, um, intuition. I don't know if I'm explaining this well. You are Let me know if it, like, well. feel no, free I, to like I'm ask right me more questions. I'm, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm like, I, I, I've been letting you just go because it, it, is connecting, you know, and I, and I mm. think, um, you know, is I think the the one question that comes to my mind is just like, how do you develop that 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 knowing and and, mm -hmm. and that relationship with yourself to to know what's like intuition and and you're kind of saying it and like I think you said therapy was like really helpful, so like having yes. like a an outside person to help you identify those things. Yeah. Um, do you have any other like practices or things that you do to? hone that intuition and hone that knowing and, 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 and yeah. Yeah, quite a few. Um, and I mean, you use the right word there, develop. Like, I think it's a muscle that needs, it takes practice. It took, it's been taking years and, and I'm kind of a baby at this. If you think about it, this was only 2017 when I had this like initial awakening. Um, and since then it's, it's taken, I mean, I remember like the first few years and still sometimes now where I'm like, I can't tell who is making this decision. And at that point, I'm just like, we've, oh, that's it. That's something I forgot to mention. For when it's not clear to me, I also just trust in grace, like mm. that it's going to be okay, even if I'm making the quote unquote wrong decision. Like, if I can't tell beforehand whether it's my ego or true self that's that's speaking here or some sort of weird mix of both, and especially when it's something that triggers trauma, it's even harder to distinguish. Um, I'll fig I'll find out once I do it. That's when I'll know for sure. When I do it and I'm not satisfied with the results or I feel uncomfortable as I'm going through the process, that's when I'm usually able to tell like, yeah, my ego chose this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> wow. not just because it go it doesn't go well like sometimes something doesn't go well but the process i enjoy or i was at peace with and i'll know like you know i learned something here even if it didn't pan out the way i, I wanted it to um so it's, it's just a muscle and there's don't get it not getting attached to getting it quote unquote right like it's it's just gonna take practice and trial and error. The most important thing is developing the the um, the stance of just observing and and being self aware. I think. Yeah. yeah.
Wow. Thank you for sharing that. Okay, before I ask you the last question, I just want to say uh, I'm grateful for you. Mm. I am truly grateful for you. And and I'm grateful that the universe brought us together and, and created Likewise. this friendship, you know? And, yeah. and it was just so beautiful and random. Random. <laughs> how it happened, just like Instagram, like, hey, do I know you? <laughs> like, 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 yeah. That was straight up. That was straight up. That's like a perfect example of the kind of like weird alignment things that I'm at this point. I just trust it. Like when I see, I saw you in a random photo. Yeah. On someone <laughs> else's Instagram. <laughs> and it's not like you stood out. I wasn't like in the center of the picture or anything, you know? No. Just like <laughs> and it was just a weird, it wasn't even a clear recognition in like, in terms of features. Yeah. It was like first just a curiosity and like, who is that? Clicking through and be like, why does he look so familiar? Why does that name sound so familiar? (laughs) And then even the idea, and I do this all the time, sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. That's another thing too. Mm -hmm. I have these moments where I'm like, F it. I'm just gonna, why did I say F it? Fuck it, I'm just gonna reach out. Mm -hmm. Um, And if he thinks I'm a weirdo, oh well. And I remember I reached out before I even figured out who you were because I was like, I know you from somewhere. I don't know where. <laughs> Help me. <laughs> I was like, huh, let's figure it out. Help <laughs> on all types. I'm like, I'm going yeah. through my emails. Yeah. I'm going to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we found out we were like the same personal growth program like years yeah. ago. It was, um, yeah. And so I, that's what I, you know, you're talking about like trusting your gut trusting Mm -hmm. like this the process and um and i'm just grateful that you trusted your gut and your process and 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 i think and just like having you as a friend um even though we don't talk all the time i think that's helped me learn to trust my my gut and my process Mm. and like even like in this conversation it's like reaffirming that so um so thank you thank you thank you yeah and the last question that i have for you is um what do you believe the new norm in the world should be? Oof. Take your time. Oh my gosh, this is. Mm. I don't have a lot of faith that this is going to happen, but <laughs> when I when I think about just how much division and uh, I don't know if for you, this has been a realization, but one of the things that has been really, really been like an eye opener this year is just around like human nature. Like I just, I didn't know we could be this cruel. I don't know if I was just distracted by like the rat race before that, you know, you'd see instances here and there of atrocities, but just, or just like, you know, 
conflicts. But this past year here in the U.S. with Black Lives Matter, I mean, this election and the divide right now in this country, but just across the the globe, really, um, you know, the way former European colonies treat even their own citizens. Like when I'm thinking about like what happened in Nigeria the other day um, with police brutality and their own fight there. Um, And so (laughs) it's a roundabout way to say, but I really hope the new normal becomes um, recognizing that if you, you oppress anyone else, you're oppressing yourself. Like you, we cannot, there is no freedom unless we're all free. There is none. It's not possible. You're, you're just giving energy to trying to hold anyone else back. Distracts you from even living fully. I, and I don't know if people recognize that, like in you being so focused on blaming others for things or, and I'm, I'm, I'm using all these general terms, <laughs> but I don't know if that's coming out clear, but it's just, it's, there's no real winning if, if you think it means limit, limiting another person. It's just, it's not gonna work out. And I hope the new normal at some point becomes honoring that, that even when things are tough and we don't agree, just being grounded in, like, I can't just shut you down. Like, I'm gonna lose out in the end. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. And, um... I uh, I have to be an optimist, you know, because uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be a pessimist, it was just like, like I, I just like I don't know if I, I could go on, and so I, I believe that 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 is possible, and then um, mm. and that maybe I hope in my lifetime, but likely not, but as maybe my grandkids or grandkids grandkids lifetime. Yeah, you know, I think it, it's happening in pockets. I'll yeah. say, I yeah. think certain places give me give me hope certain spaces give me hope i think being a designer you know nothing to do with digital products but just design principles and how they're used to solve even community issues um gives me a lot of hope the idea of like back to that build with not for you know if we're solving community problems and we got to involve all our neighbors whether we like them or not things like that, those kinds of practices give me hope. But on the larger scale, I think right now people are just, and not to criticize the world right now, I think people are hurting. People are really hurting. And you can't just tell somebody who's just gone through something traumatic to get over it and just jump straight to forgiveness and, um, and working through it. Right now people need to express, it seems. I think that's the phase we're in. Well, let me not say that. If this is like the, the, what is it? The seven stages of grief? Mm -hmm. A lot of people are in denial right now. (laughs) (laughs) They're in the denial phase. um, And they need to express their grievances. They need to cry and scream it out. And I get that. But I just, I hope we move towards 
a place where we understand that if if it's not for everyone, it's for no one. Mm. Yeah. Jamila, thank you. Thank you. This was great. <laughs> <laughs> we went to a lot of places with this. But we really did. We really did. It worked out. <laughs> Hey there, I hope you really enjoyed today's podcast episode. As you know, at New Norm Club, we really believe in the Ubuntu philosophy, which basically means I am because we are. You know, a rising tide raises all ships. And so this podcast is not just a podcast, it's also a community. So feel free to go to the Facebook group and join and and connect with other like-minded people, share what your biggest takeaways were from this episode. Also, do that in your personal social media so that we can get more people into this family so that we can start to redefine the world together and support each other and empower each other and inspire each other to be our best selves. And don't forget to tag at New Norm Club and at Glyvolner, that's me, G-L-Y-V-O-L-N-E-R, on any of your social platforms. And also, follow on your preferred podcasting platform, Spotify, etc. You know the drill. So, have an amazing rest of your day, and see you on the next episode.